Welcome to refreshing, energizing business talk. This is Think Tank, conversations in a digital world, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Get ready to hear from industry executives and thought leaders on the best strategies and technologies to drive your business forward in times of uncertainty and accelerate success. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Think Tank, conversations in a digital world with new perspectives from SAP strategic partners on business, IT, and innovations presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. We've got a really exciting and important topic for all of you, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, whether you're a student, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in business as a leader, this topic will appeal to you in many, many ways. So let me start off with a quote from blog.hubspot.com. Listen up. Like saplings, many startups fail to grow and many die one to three years after launch. That's kind of scary. While there are many factors leading to the failure of a startup, one of the main reasons of is the lack of expert startup advice that the founders do or don't receive. Experience of a seasoned entrepreneur is precious. And no matter how many theoretical models you study, you simply cannot replace the experience they've gained through actually doing the work, failing, and succeeding. I know that was a packed quote, but there's so many great keywords and buzzwords in there. And obviously, we're talking about startups, we're talking about entrepreneurship, and we're talking about experts and advice. So let me give you a little more information before I have my wonderful guests introduce themselves. Entrepreneurship, it's a big word, has many faces and many values today. By definition, it propels new ideas and new businesses. However, I think we know all of us by now, it's not just for startups. Large corporations can serve as incubators for startups and for their own new subsidiaries. So where does entrepreneurship begin? Can it be taught in the schools? Are you born with it? Is it in your DNA? Entrepreneur, successful entrepreneur, what's the difference? We'll pose these questions to three authors who approach the topic of entrepreneurship from distinctly different angles. We have with us today Kyle Garman, the author of The Entrepreneurial Mindset, Preparing Our Next Generation for the Future of Work. We'll speak with Brian Pierce, Daring to Compete, Accelerate Your Business to Market Leadership with EY's Seven Drivers of Growth. And we have very honored to have the sponsor of this series, somebody who's been on radio with me many times, Brad Borkin. And his book is totally different from theirs, When Your Life Depends on It, Extreme Decision-Making Lessons from the Antarctic. I will tell our listeners you're in for a treat. So stick with us for insights on Entrepreneurship Hits the Books. Can it be learned in a classroom? Again, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. And Kyle Garman, let's go around the table and start with you. Kyle, you've been on radio with me before, so I know who you are. But just in case, Kyle, it's remotely possible there might be five people in the world who don't know who you are, and I want you to speak to those five. So go ahead, Kyle, and welcome. Well, Bonnie, uh, great to be with you again. Always a pleasure to be uh, on the radio with you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, for, for uh, a quick introduction, Kyle Garman, uh, Senior Vice President of Global Business Development at SAP, and also the author of The Entrepreneurial Mindset. And I'm on the board of directors of a nonprofit called the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, where we teach entrepreneurship to middle and high school students. So, you know, really looking forward to the discussion today. I think it's a fascinating topic. I think it's a dynamic and rapidly changing topic. And uh, really looking forward to diving in today, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Kyle. And let's move on to Brian Pierce. Brian, welcome and introduce yourself, please. 
Thanks, Bonnie. Well, I think if you think of the things that you use in your everyday life, your home, your phone, the restaurants you eat at, fashion you wear, virtually everything you enjoy is the result of an entrepreneur having an idea or an inspiration to make something better and building a team and a business to turn his or her vision into a reality. And that's really the uh, thing that has been my passion over my career, guiding and advising these high growth entrepreneurs. I spent 38 years with EY, uh, the last decade as EY's global leader of entrepreneurship, where I also ran our Entrepreneur of the Year program. And, and uh, coming out of the experiences and the wisdom that we learned from those entrepreneurs, wrote a book, as you referred to, called Daring to Compete. And today, I continue to serve as an advisor to a number of entrepreneurial CEOs and really coaching them on how to grow their business more quickly. Thank you very much, Brian Pierce. Nice to meet you, and thank you for joining us today. And Brad Borkin, sponsor of this wonderful series. Brad, your series is doing really well because you pick such interesting topics. So, Brad, uh, as opposed to Kyle, where there might be five people who don't know him, there might be 2.7 people who don't know you yet. I know you travel the world talking about your book, talking about extreme decision-making, and it's an exciting topic. Brad, go on, introduce yourself. Thanks, Bonnie. It's great, great to be here and great to be on the series. Uh, my name is Brad Borkin, and I'm the co-author of a book, as Bonnie said at the beginning, When Your Life Depends on It, Extreme Decision-Making Lessons from the Antarctic. And that's Antarctic Mountains behind me, that of a picture I took back in November 2019. So I've, through my life, I've had really two passions. And one has to do with decision-making. And how do people make decisions? How do businesses make decisions? How do you deal with risk and danger? And uh, why do people buy from the advertising they see? Why do people build the relationships they have? Uh, how do you go about buying a house and making that decision around houses and cars and all these various decisions? And my other passion has to do with Antarctica and early Antarctic explorers and how they built these expeditions. And we'll talk about this as we go through the show a little bit as they were really mini startups and they built these expeditions and went down and tried to get to the South Pole and they all came very near death all the time, but very rarely ever died. And it's these remarkable stories that came from these expeditions that can serve as lessons for how to uh, deal with challenges and, and, uh, uh, risk and danger and things that we, we experience, but things that we experience as entrepreneurs as well. So hopefully we'll bring all that together into the show. And my main job is working for SAP. I work in the strategic ecosystem marketing team. And I'm also a fellow of the Royal Geographic Society and member of many Antarctic societies and give talks at Antarctic events and uh, lectured on a cruise ship down in Antarctica. So I sort of bring a various sort of backgrounds to the conversation. Very interesting. And, and Brad, I know you took a cruise uh, with, a, with a, a good collection of people, what is it, a year or two ago to Antarctica and revisited some of the history of what you write about. So that must have been very exciting. Entrepreneurs are finding their inspiration everywhere, aren't they, gentlemen? They're looking for ideas. What's coming into their mind? What do they observe in the world? What do they want to do? What kind of a difference do they want to make? This is a part of the show where I've asked my guests to each select a movie or a song quote, something interesting that has on its surface absolutely nothing to do with the topic. And they're going to explain in their own words how they think it relates to the topic. And this is such a fun part of the show. Kyle Garman has picked a quote from Carol Boone, the character Carol Boone, in the two 
2000 American biographical sports film, Remember the Titans. Denzel Washington played Coach Herman Boone, and an actress named Nicole Arie Parker played her his wife, Carol Boone. And this is based on the true story of African-American coach Herman Boone, played by Washington, and his attempt to integrate the T.C. Williams High School football team in Alexandria, Virginia, back in 1971. Here's the quote. Sometimes life is hard for no reason at all. Kyle, that quote wants me, makes me want to cry because it's so true. Kyle, talk to me. How did you pick that? What does this have to do with whether entrepreneurship can be taught? Go ahead. Well, so Bonnie, I thought I'd start at, at a really low note here at the beginning, and that way there's nowhere to go but up. And in fact, if we can get to the, the top of whatever the highest mountain in, in Antarctica is by the end of the show, we'll, we'll consider that a, a success. You know, I, I, I picked this quote because because I think the reality of it is so many people are, really everybody has been impacted by this, this COVID crisis. You know, you hear the phrase BC and, and, and AD, you know, before COVID and after disease. Um, mm. And then you've got these crises, climate change, and then you've got just dramatic disruption of jobs from technology and directly from COVID. And you've got this wild landscape of, of really uncertainty um, across a, a, a many different dimensions. And so I think we're in this, this sort of phase 2020, the year 2020 is this place of really just a high degree of discomfort. And, and I think at the end of the day, what I'll make the case that, you know, building the entrepreneurial mindset as an educational and learning method, which is where the approach that I took from my book, is, is really key to overcoming these challenges and these obstacles. And those challenges and obstacles are always there. But in 2020, I think they're at sort of the nth degree with COVID and, and, and all the other challenges we're facing. So hopefully this is an uplifting call for people um, and, and, and a call to action to, you know, really elevate yourself, especially as we turn the corner going into 2021 and look at the brighter horizons going forward. So, Oh, from your lips, we can only hope, <laughs> Kyle. We, we are. I, I read something, a local magazine here, very local in my my community in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, and the production editor decided since she couldn't find people to be the focus of the, of the, they like to pick a couple or an individual in the community and talk about their background, how they got here. She decided she couldn't find anybody for the issue. So she made it all about herself. And she <laughs> ends with, I'm so tired of wearing those dratted masks and let's put 2020 to bed to deserve the miserable death it deserves. I've, I've never <laughs> seen that in print <laughs> anywhere. I thought, well, it's her magazine. She can say what she wants. I saved it, actually. It usually goes in the round file. Let's move on with quotes. Brian Pierce has picked a wonderful quote. Oh, Brian, Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder, the album with songs in the key of life. And Sir Duke composed and performed by still very much around and still very much a wonderful entertainer. And the album is from 1976. It topped the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and the Black Singles charts. It was written in tribute to Duke Ellington, of course, the influential jazz legend who died in 74, two years before the album. It also refers to Count Basie, Glenn Miller, Louis Armstrong, and Ella Fitzgerald. And here's the quote. I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Brian. The quote is, I want to sing it. I really do. Music is a world within itself with a language we all understand. I hope I didn't kill it. Brian, rescue me. Hey, you've got a new career, buddy. Thank you very much. <laughs> 
I'm a drummer, not a singer, dear. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a huge Stevie Wonder fan, but I, I think um, music and entrepreneurs really do have a tremendous amount in common, in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I think if you look at any great entrepreneur, first of all, they're a composer and they bring an inspiring idea to, to life, really, and uh, and put it into a plan that others are, are expected to uh, execute in a song and a band. Uh, you know, I think the best entrepreneurs could also be likened to songwriters uh, because you've got to communicate your vision and you've got to uh, tell other people what you have in mind and why it matters. And, and then finally, I think uh, great entrepreneurs really are like the conductor of an orchestra where entrepreneurs build teams, they pick the right people for the right seats, and, and they really somehow make it all come together in harmony. Uh, whether it's a great orchestra, a great band, or a great entrepreneurial team, uh, you need somebody who's a terrific conductor. So, uh, you know, I think those three things, uh, music is a world unto itself. And, and uh, you know, I think often it's a lonely job being the CEO of an entrepreneurial firm, but yet they all have a language they all understand, which is, uh, you know, how do you build a great company? Very interesting, Brian. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Uh, I do several shows on the topic of partnerships power of partnerships, next generation partnerships. Let me just quickly go around the table, Brad, before I get to your quote, which I'm going to wrap. I, I listened to the clip today, Brad, and I'm going to raise a rap quote. I'll do my best. <laughs> I am a drummer, not a singer. I'm warning you. Um, <laughs> Brian, let me start with you first and just go around Brian and then Kyle and then Brad. Is, is partnership part of being a successful entrepreneur? Or can you go it alone, totally alone? How important is partnership? Just quickly, Brian, what do you think? I think it's essential. I think, uh, you know, in this world today, we can't do everything well ourselves. Uh, there's just too much complexity. And so you need to have partners that can uh, help you bring it along. Kyle Garman, what do you think? You know, I, I, first of all, the answer is, of course, yes. But I actually think it's a balanced point of view. I think there is a certain amount of self-initiative uh, and, and, and drive that I think an entrepreneur has to have. And it's very much part of the entrepreneurial mindset. But that has to be balanced with the ability to build teams around you and build partnerships and ecosystem around you. So I actually think it's a combination of both that self-drive and building an ecosystem of partners and teams around you that really is necessary for success. Well put. Brad, join Great. us. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, both the answers are exactly exactly right. And when I look at, at Antarctic exploration, when you look at why they were so successful in such dire circumstances, it was because they worked in teams and they had great leaders, but they had great teams and it's quite key to have people who are very good at following, who know they're not going to be the leader, but they're, they're in the right role doing the, the, the specific jobs they're given. Ah, people who know they're not going to be the leader. Very interesting. I haven't heard it put that way yet. Thank you very much, Brett. Interesting around the table. Thank you. Brett is waiting patiently. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not for me to get to his quote. His quote is from Hamilton, the musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I have the clip here. The song, My Shot, is the third song from Act One based on the life of Alexander Hamilton. It previewed on Broadway in 2015. And Miranda wrote both the music and lyrics. And he's in, it was in the original. And this is the only show I'm aware of where tickets are being sold months or years in advance at over $1,000 a seat. I think people waited online. It was, who thought of doing that topic? Talk about entrepreneurial spirit, Brad. Who thought of writing a musical in modern rap or maybe never before thought of rap about a time in our founding fathers' lives. It just, it was so out of the box. And I think that's what captured people. So I'm going to do my best here. I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, 
I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. Brad, you want to kill me now, or did I do okay? That was good. That was very good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love the musical. It's just, it's, I've seen it twice. When it, um, I live in London. I'm American, but I live in London. And and uh, I, I was able to get tickets for July 4th, which I thought was very memorable to, ah! <laughs> to, see, to see it on, on that day. Uh, there's just so much richness in the lyrics of, for the whole show. And and I think what's where it struck me around entrepreneurship is about being – You've got this chance. You've got to take your chance. And when you're given it, you've got to give it all. You know, just, they talk about being young, but it's really, I think, young, maybe being inexperienced, but being scrappy and hungry. And then I thought, well, the hungry, that's very relevant to the early explorers who seem to spend their lives being hungry, and, but more in the literal sense of physical hunger. And, um, uh, but this sense that when they were putting together the early expeditions, it was... Uh, getting people together, spending years p- pulling all together in an entrepreneurial manner and mm-hmm. getting funding and getting sponsors and getting a team together. And they had this one shot. Either you're down there, you're going to get to the South Pole or you're not. And and the same thing with an entrepreneur. You're going to make it or you're gonna, not going to make it. And this phrase, the whole thing about not throwing away your shot was just so, seems just very relevant to the whole thing. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Teamwork was, I read your book, Brad. You, you've been on radio with me over the past several years, and we talked about your book with your co-author a couple of times on, on my personal radio show, Read My Lips Radio. And it's just amazing the things that we think of today that would be a hardship. Brian, what if your Wi-Fi went down? Kyle, what if the screen went blank in the middle of a Zoom conference? And Brad's writing about people who had one cracker to share with a team of five in blinding blizzard snow with no... No communication, nobody in sight for miles in mind-numbing cold. And they had to figure who would live or who would die. Now we're facing all kinds of things, but our modern our modern issues that require entrepreneurship are I don't know, how do I have a company that that has better business end-to-end processes or how do you do smoother, cleaner core ERP? And we're talking about those kinds of things. Uh, And it's just, it's such a difference, isn't it, Brad, from the the key, the core of the teamwork. Brad, teamwork was, it it was live or die, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Interesting. And they they survived as teams. They did everything in Antarctica as teams. I think entrepreneurs do things as, as teams, as the others have said as well. Now that we've covered the background, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Kyle. Now we covered the background. Let's get to the core of our topic, which is can entrepreneurship be taught? Can you put somebody in a classroom? Or let's focus on the fact that the three of you were authors. And my premise at the beginning was we have three authors with three very, very different approaches. So let me just, before I get to your discussion statements, I just want to know, Kyle, your book. What is the purpose of your book? Why did you write it? Why was the time right for you to write that book? And what do you want people to get from your book in terms of entrepreneurial mindset, the spirit? Do you think they will learn how to be an entrepreneur from your book? Just quickly, we'll go around the table. Yeah, I mean, the the fundamental reason I wrote the book is that I think we're in this era of exponential change, of, of radical disruption. And the 21st century economy just looks fundamentally different than anything we've seen in the past. And our educational systems were fundamentally designed for the industrial era. And they're, they're designed to teach our young people convergent thinking, which is getting to the right answer on a test. And in the future of work in the 21st century, and even now, and I think COVID has accelerated this five years plus, 
You really need these divergent thinking, this entrepreneurial mindset to identify new opportunities to create value, to communicate and collaborate with other people, to innovate and be creative, and all the other things that are associated with the entrepreneurial mindset. And so the fundamental argument I make in the book is that we need to think earlier in the cycle. There's so much about reskilling people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, but mm -hmm. you need to start thinking about 12, 13, 15, 18 year olds and gearing their mindset for the future of work in the 21st century. And so that's the reason I wrote the book because I believe that project-based entrepreneurship education is the single best way to gear young people's mindsets for what the 21st century economy actually looks like. So that's really the main reason I wrote the book, uh, Bonnie. Thank you very much, very much. It, and the idea, Kyle, do we dare say it can be fun? I think, you know, you look at these classrooms, Bonnie, and you look at these competitions around, you see a 16-year-old, 17-year-old presenting a business plan in front of a thousand people and the energy in the room, or even in the classroom itself. Uh, it, anyone who's ever experienced it will, will tell you that it, it's really a, a complete inversion of the idea of the communicating information and then regurgitating on a test. It's, and it's designed to, uh, to have a student take out their creative energy around what they're passionate about. And so, yes, it, it is by definition is fun because it's what you care about as a student, not what someone else pre-described as the curriculum that you should learn. So absolutely. Be still my heart. If, if only education had been that way. Brian Pierce, love to know a little bit more about your book. Do you think people can read your book and, and want to hold up a copy of your book for, for the camera, for our video here? And, and Kyle, will get your book up. You can hold your book up too. Daring to compete. Kyle, you can hold yours up too. You know what? I'm going to hold up yours yeah, because I think you don't have green uh, there screen. There it is. The entrepreneurial <laughs> mindset. Brad, you want to hold up a copy of yours? Just for people will sure. eventually see this video when your life depends on it. Yes, I remember it well. Brian Pierce. Do you expect people to actually learn how to be entrepreneurs from your book? Talk to me, Brian. Well, well I, I certainly agree with Kyle that, uh, you know, we can develop this skill set much earlier in a person's life cycle. I don't know whether there's a, a DNA gene that uh, drives entrepreneurship, but what I do know is that we can hone these skills and sharpen the sword uh, a lot by practicing some of the traits that are successful. And, and that's really why I wrote the book, is I feel very privileged to have spent my career working with some of the best entrepreneurs in the world. And when we interviewed 15 of the uh, people that were Entrepreneur of the Year national world winners, um, you know, we learned a lot from them. And it turns out that there's actually some very common traits and, and some things that they do in building their business that are consistent across the board. So I think uh, taking those lessons and putting them to work really builds great entrepreneurs. Learning by exit. Do you have a favorite? I'm putting you on the spot here, Brian. We didn't plan on this. Do you have a favorite story of an entrepreneur from the, the 15 you interviewed for the book? Anybody stand out above the rest as a teachable moment? You know, I, I do. I think, um, you know, we had a winner from Canada, Murad uh, Al-Khatib, who, uh, you know, grew up in a family of physicians, was an immigrant to Canada from Turkey. And uh, yet his vision for the world was, uh, you know, moving from only animal-based protein, which consumes a lot of resources, to uh, plant-based protein, including uh, pulse crops. And, and, uh, and he built a business around that, uh, learning from others and, and continues to have a very successful company today. So it's just looking at the world a little differently and trying to make it a better place. Very, very beautiful. That was poetry. Very beautifully put, Brian. Thank you. <laughs> Brad, why did you write your book? Can people learn? I, I know the answer, but tell our listeners, can people learn from these lessons from the Antarctic where life or death was every two minutes? Go ahead. Well, I, I, 
that was the whole purpose of, of writing the book was I sat through these Antarctic lectures at various conferences and listened to experts and historians and explorers, modern day explorers and adventurers and descendants of the early explorers. And everyone talked about things about the expeditions, but nobody actually talked about what was at the heart of every expedition, which was the decision-making and the decisions to, to set up the expedition, to go, well, who they picked on their teams, how they got themselves out of, out of danger, how they made these life and death decisions, how they made very routine decisions. And it came down to thinking there's something in it for the modern people. There's not, it's great if you're a historian, but it's more wonderful it, for people who are modern, who are dealing with current day issues and trying to think, how do I make a better decision? How do I deal with risk and adversity? And, and everyone has challenges in their lives. And even before COVID, we all had challenges in our lives at various points. And it's just like, Let's get the stories out there into the common ether. They weren't, the early explorers were not perfect decision makers, but they were mm -hmm. very good at recovering from bad decisions. And it's just such a wonderful lesson. I think entrepreneurs can learn from that as well, that you can't always make perfect decisions, but you can develop a mindset around developing a, a methodology for recovering from bad decisions. Brad, so well put. And this goes back to my quote from blog at HubSpot. I open, I'm looking back to my notes. Experienced of a seasoned entrepreneur is precious. No matter how many theoretical models you study, you simply can't replace the experience they've gained through actually doing the work, failing and succeeding, right? Fail fast, fail often, get up and just keep trying. There's quotes from Rocky. There are quotes from so many movies about that. Just get up and do it again. Do it again. Nice. I have a nice little story, Bonnie, for that. Sure, go ahead. Which is when they when they first went down to Antarctica, Captain Scott's expedition, they had this idea that they could, they'd be warmer if they were in three-man sleeping bags. And, and so they, they went out on their first foray into the, into the interior of Antarctica and like on just, you know, say, well, let's go try, try out some of our equipment. And they go out with this three-man sleeping bag and no one can get any sleep because as soon as one turns over, the bags are rolls around. And <laughs> so they, uh, they realize, well, they'll have to go up some of the warmth for the uh, ability to get some sleep. Go back to the entrepreneur who designed the three-person sleeping bed and say, we road tested it and we're not going to have any influencers recommending your product. Can you, can you imagine in modern times if that happened? Can you imagine the Yelp reviews and the employers saying, don't send it or do send it to me. Let's just leave that one alone. Thank you, gentlemen, for the sidebar. I really appreciate it. I just wanted our audience to know a little bit more about the purpose of your books. And that's really what we're talking about. But let's do a deep dive. We have time. Let's go through a couple of the discussion statements you sent me in advance. Kyle Garman, you're up first. I'm going to read just the first sentence, which is packed with information. Kyle, take about two minutes, expand it, explain it, and then I will ask Brian. Pierce, if he dares to agree or disagree, we shall see. And then, Brad, you get the choice of agreeing or disagreeing with Kyle and or Brian. So you've got twice the work to do. Here's what Kyle told me. Our K-12 to educational system, K, for those of you who don't remember, is kindergarten. I think that's still what it's for. It was designed for an era of industrialization and information scarcity. And you've talked about this in which convergent thinking or learning to get to the right answer was the utmost important. Increasingly, convergent thinking is the domain of intelligent machines. So let's talk a little bit about the educational system itself. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the origins of the educational system in the U.S., you think about Horace Mann, the father of the public schools in the mid-19th century, making a trip over to Germany or, uh, or that area at the time. And, and bringing over the, what we call Prussia, um, brought over the Prussian factory model for education. 
And this is the underlying system that are the roots of all K through 12 education, starting out in Massachusetts, but then expanding across the United States. And what were the core design principles? One, you were training people to be effectively factory workers and working on an assembly. So it's sort of this nine to five kind of mindset. And also it's really important in a factory or, in a, or in an assembly line to get to the right answer. So convergent thinking is, is really critical. And, and here we are today in a radically different era, as I mentioned before, the 21st century, where intelligent machines are effectively taking over convergent thinking. Intelligent machines are fundamentally better than humans at convergent thinking. And so all of these, for hundreds of years, we've centered our K through 12 educational systems in exactly the space that artificial intelligence and machine learning and other kinds of technologies are, are designed to be better than humans. And so the origin, it, it was fine, right? It, was, it served us well uh, for a period of time, but we, not, we need to think very differently now about going forward. And, and it's about this convert or divergent thinking, the entrepreneurial mindset, building new creativity. The other point I mentioned in that, uh, Bonnie, is this idea of information scarcity mm -hmm. versus information abundance. And just I'll, I'll take 30 seconds to unpack that and then we can see if, if Brian agrees, disagrees. So, you know, it, it, on, on information uh, uh, scarcity was all of human history, effectively, until about 20, 30 years ago, where you had a certain number of people controlling the information flow and just deciding what objective truth actually is. With the Internet, of course, it opened up and social media adding an, an amplifier to that and then the mobile phone adding another amplifier where effectively information is abundant. We have more information than we know what to do with. And so in an, in an, in an environment of information abundance, knowledge or in, information is effectively a commodity. Um, and that was never the case historically. And so you have to actually think very differently. It's not about what you know, it's about what you can do with what you know that is, is more important here. And so these, these, these the, fundamentally in, in 10 seconds, the system is designed for an era of industrialization. We're in a completely different environment now, and therefore we need to think differently about how we educate our students and prepare them with the entrepreneurial mindset, which is fundamental for, for all people in the future of work, I believe. Thank you, Kyle. So much good information, Mr. Brian Pierce. Do you, I'm not even going to ask if you dare to disagree. I want to know what are your thoughts. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Agree and et cetera. Brian Pierce, you're up. Talk to me. Bonnie, I, I do agree and, and actually have some background with Nifty that uh, Kyle is very involved with as well in, in writing the book. So uh, I guess to some extent, uh, preaching to the choir. But uh, I, I really do agree with Kyle on the divergent thinking part. If you look at entrepreneurs and innovation and, and growing, you're not going to grow by convergent thinking. You're going to grow by divergent thinking and look at new ways that you can do things, uh, new ways that you can innovate. And I think getting that taught in schools and really getting uh, young people to be familiar with that, whether they become an entrepreneur or not, is not really the issue. They'll be a heck of a lot better as an employee or, or uh, an advisor, whatever role they take, if they learn how to think creatively and divergently. Thank you. Brad, join us. What do you think? Yes, it's, it's um, well, Kyle said it really, really well, instead of Brian, in terms of of is trying to build an educational system that actually works for mo the modern era. And the modern era requires entrepreneurs. And I think when I go back to think about some of the explorers, I um, when I saw a lecture by Randall Fines. Randall Fines is the greatest living polar explorer. He's uh, probably 70-something years old. He, he's the only person to have circumnavigated the world on the polar axes. So people have gone around the equator. But he's gone around the world that way, and uh, and and he always he always admits he wasn't a great student. But as soon as he got his passion, 
for exploration, then he was became a great student of that. And I think it's 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 being teaching these the you is not teaching the standard skills is teaching things that drive people towards their passion. I think that's really really the key. And I think the entrepreneurial things that Kyle has in his book are just you know, perfect for inspiring people who may not otherwise be inspired by a classical school education. Thank you very much. Good around the table. Kyle, thank you very much for that opening statement of the formal roundtable part of the show. Brian Pierce, I'm going to ask you to do something unusual. I'm going to, well, I'm, I'm the dealer here of my choice. I'm combining your statement number one and number three, because I think they go together nicely. Let me read both. They're brief. And then we'll have you do a two and a half minute deep dive. And then Brad, will see what you agree or disagree with. And then Kyle will be third on this one. Brian Pierce said the following, passion. Everybody listen up. Write these down. These are important. Passion, drive, agility, inspirational leadership, vision, focus, curiosity, values, and resilience are vital to any successful entrepreneur. And then you add one of the things we noticed in your research in common between all the successful entrepreneurs we interviewed for the book Daring Compete was the reliance they placed on their intuition or gut in their business decision making. That's a lot of information there, Brian. Can you uh, interpret, distill, unpack it for us? Go ahead. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. Well, I think, you know, as we interviewed these 15 outstanding entrepreneurs, and, and it was a diverse group. I mean, they were in every conceivable type of business. They were from a variety of countries around the world, men and women, uh, young stage businesses and well-established businesses. But what was interesting is when you look at the attributes that they uh, described about themselves uh, as people and as entrepreneurs, it was that first list of eight that you read that uh, that kept coming up time and again. And, and that's really what we ended up becoming uh, as the, the benchmark, if you will, of successful entrepreneurs. We've talked about some of them today. All of us have used the word passion. Uh, you know, if you don't care about what you're doing, don't become an entrepreneur. It's just not going to work. But then, you know, couple that with agility, uh, as as other panelists have said here, you know, the world is changing. Uh, uh, you need to be able to respond quickly. And agility is, is a trait that we really felt was very key. Uh, inspirational leadership. Uh, you can't do it alone. You talked about partnerships, Bonnie, and, and partnerships extend outside the organization, but it also extends to your team. And if you can't inspire and lead your team and, and the partners that are part of the business, um, you will not be successful as an entrepreneur. But if you do it well, uh, just like a, a songwriter and a composer uh, and a band leader, uh, you're going to have a very successful business. And I think one more that I'm going to comment on before I move to statement three is curiosity. And mm -hmm. why does the world work the way it works? And, and how could I do it better? And, and I think this is one of the things that really stood out with me in, in the conversations and the interviews that we conducted for the book, as well as others that I've, I've met for years. And that is um, a real desire to make the world a better place. Uh, entrepreneurs don't really start business to get rich. Some of them do, some of them don't. <laughs> but what really scratches their itch more than anything is trying to improve a situation that they see that they want to improve. And I think the way you do that is by always being curious and, and asking questions. Um, the final thing, and, and we talked a little bit about this, and I love Kyle's perspective and Brad's perspective on this, is is the importance of intuition and gut. And Brad, I'm sure as you had those Antarctic explorers mm -hmm. trying to make their decisions, they weren't using spreadsheets. 
They were using their experience and they were using their gut in real time. And I think that's something that uh, that the people that we interviewed really relied on very heavily. Yes, they looked at analysis. Yes, they had people do spreadsheets for them. But at the end of the day, they knew what felt right. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I won't say an overwhelming amount of information. I'll say really great insights. Thank you. I'm glad you put those all together in one statement and allowed me to combine them. Brad, agree or disagree with any or all? I know what you're going to say. Go ahead, Brad. <laughs> well, so I think when we pointed this show together and, and meeting Kyle because of, of involvement with another show, and Brian had been on, on one of the shows a number of years ago, that this concept that the words that you use, passion, drive, agility, and these various words, I mean, those are all in my book. And those are all when we're writing about the early Antarctic explorers, they all had exactly the same thing. They were built, they were entrepreneurs, they were putting together teams and investors. The, the ROI was a little different mm-hmm. because the ROI was maybe getting a, a, a sea or a coastline named after somebody or something like that. But it was, uh, it was they still needed all those skills and Shackleton had an interesting list of skills. He said, you needed optimism, patience, idealism, and courage. So to add to add those to, to um, Brian's list. And I said, one other thing to add as well is, is willing to accept the failure as part of the process. Yeah. You're not going to succeed. There's, you're going you're gonna to ultimately get scurvy, fall into grass. Do, you know, do something that's going to, you know, get snow blindness. Do, you're going to f- have calamities and you've got to accept that somehow you've got to survive all that and get through it. And, and so there's a lot of, a lot of the, all the words that Brian used to describe and, and more. Thank you. And Brad, that's funny because I was going to go to your discussion statement number three next after Kyle responds and it's failure. It's okay. Failure is part of the process, whether you're an explorer or an entrepreneur. So I'll find something else. for. Well, we can, we can go to that. There's a lot to talk about with failure. Okay, okay we will. So Kyle, I don't want to de- derail you. Kyle, comment on all of those wonderful you, words. What do you, you think? Know, I'm, I'm going to zero in on one thing, which is passion, because I think passion ultimately leads to mm. curiosity. It leads to your confidence to use your intuition to guide your 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 decision making. But the question becomes how do you, there's the idea of intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation. And intrinsic is what comes for, from within, extrinsic is sort of someone else motivating you to do something. And I think when you think about this from a bigger picture perspective, the people that identify their intrinsic motivation, and I believe everybody has it within them, but so many people are not able to identify what actually their real passion is, what mo- motivates them intrinsically. And this is why I'm so passionate about at a younger age, using entrepreneurship education as a way to flip the script so that a student actually is forced to think through what are they passionate about? Because ultimately they're building a business plan about something that they care about. And I think when you get there at a younger age, you then can go to college with a better idea of what are you, what are you actually studying and where, where are you going? So many people go to college with there's 1.7 trillion of debt right now. The biggest root cause of that failure in that system outside of it being too expensive is people don't know why they're going to college in the first place. They haven't identified their intrinsic motivation. And so this is why I'm so passionate about this topic of allowing people, younger people to identify their passion through entrepreneurship education, because then it, it yields all these other dimensions that we've talked about today. And so I think that's such a key concept is identifying that passion that, that, uh, that, and, and then building, building on top of it from, from there, but from a younger age. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you all. Brian Pierce, that was a major couple of statements there. Thank you very much. Great conversation around the table. 
Brad, by popular request, yours and mine, we're going to statement number three. Fail, let me read it. Failure is part of the process. Whether you're an explorer, an entrepreneur, not one of the early Antarctic explorers ever achieved his primary goal. Why don't you take it from there, Brad? Tell us a little more, and then we'll go around and ask Kyle, who happens to be sitting next to you, whether he knows it or not, and Brian to comment, and then we'll wrap it up. So go ahead, Brad Borkin. Great. The uh, the thing about failure is, as I said, as I said in the statement, is it's not every. In fact, every early Antarctic explorer, the 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 core ones being Shackleton, Scott, Amundsen, and Mawson, none of them achieved their primary goal on their expeditions. And it's actually quite a shocking thing when you think about what we're taught in business school, which is that success is goal attainment, and goal attainment is success. And that's how, how you become successful is to attain your goal. And yet success is actually more elusive and complex than, than that. And when you look at, at wh- how they dealt with not achieving their goal, that's where the lessons really come in. There was a famous story where Shackleton set up what was called the Nimrod expedition in 1908. And his goal was to get to the South Pole. He had already been on one expedition with Captain Scott. Now he was running his own expedition and they trekked out, it's about 758, the pole was about 850 miles from the coast. They trek out about 750 miles and they're running out of food. And they realize, Shackleton realizes that he and these three other men are not going to get to their goal. They're not going to get to the South Pole. If they do, they'll not have enough food to get back. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this sort of shocking moment when he realizes after two years of putting together the expedition, all the funding collected, setting up the teams, doing, getting to the stage where he's going to say, I've done all of this. I've done all the entrepreneurial stuff, but I'm not going to get to this ultimate goal. The thing, maybe the equivalent of not going public. I'm not going, to, I'm not going to achieve my entrepreneurial goal. And, and, and what he does is quite remarkable because you think it's sort of a binary situation. It's either you turn around and go start heading back for survival, or you go to the pole and expect that you're going to die on the way back. And, he sees a third alternative and his third alternative is planting is saying, we're going to leave all our supplies in our tent behind, walk as far South as we can for one day. And they're at 102 miles, 103 miles from the pole. We're going to walk as far South as we can plant a flag, British flag, and then start the journey back to our camp and then start the journey back home. And he does that because he wants to cross the hundred mile mark. He wants to get to a point where he can say, I've done something. And I've achieved something and now I'm going to go back and go back, you know, okay, survive this one and try again. And I think that's the entrepreneurial spirit of failure of being able to say, okay, I'm going to plant my flag and I'm going to try something else, try a different approach, try come back and try a different business model or different, different methodology. Fascinating, Brad, a whole different time, a different place, a different, a different set of information, right? We talked about information scarcity and, information abundance and they own they had their wits they had their intuition they had a few tools and they had their experience and they had their gut and they had their passion to to get it done and the survival instinct of course which is so important kyle garman comments on what brad just said agree or disagree yeah well i i, I agree and, and I, I would say this specifically you know i think the entrepreneurial mindset failure doesn't exist i think fail means first attempt in learning f-a-i-l first attempt in learning and I think, you know, in the book, I talk about eight domains of the entrepreneurial mindset. And one of them that is so critical is, is flexibility and adaptability. And, and it's this idea that you're, it, it, you're constantly in iteration mode. There is no destination. There is no finish line. You're constantly failing because you're constantly learning and you're constantly tweaking the direction you're going. 
So, so I agree. And, and I think this traditional definition of defining success, like, like Brad said, is, is just not the way to think about it. It's actually not the way most, uh, most people, you know, who are entrepreneurs think about it. I mean, they have a general goal, but, but they're, they're adaptive and they're flexible and they're moving and they're iterating based upon the, the market dynamics, et cetera. So I think fail is first attempt in learning. And I think that's really a critical element of, of the entrepreneurial mindset. Thank you. Brian Pierce, join us, please. Yeah, just two quick comments. I think one is pivot. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you often hear entrepreneurs uh, take the word and use pivot. They've changed their business model. They're going in a slightly different direction, much as Brad described, uh, you know, planting the flag. And I think, you know, the reason they have to pivot is, is sort of what Kyle touched on, which is, you know, we're in a dynamic environment. The world is constantly changing. And some people may uh, catch the wave and get there on time, but many others uh, may say, well, look, the wave kept moving, so I've got to pivot to go where the where it's going right now. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Gentlemen, I want to give you a lightning round. It's very, very easy. Can entrepreneurship be taught? Yes or no, and one sentence on how. Let's start with you, Kyle Garman. Can entrepreneurship, yeah, can it be taught and how? Yes, comma, to make sure it's one sentence. <laughs> yes, comma, and we've already proven it with 1.2 million students with the network of teaching, uh, net, network, of, net, network for teaching entrepreneurship, comma. The way to teach it <laughs> is very simple, comma. It's through project-based entrepreneurship education, period. That was beautiful. That's the most <laughs> syntax correct, <laughs> punctuation correct closing statement I've ever had. Brian Pierce, no, no challenge to you, but let's do one sentence too. Go ahead, Brian Pierce. How, how clever are you with your, with your grammar structure? Go ahead. Entrepreneurship can be taught, and the best way to teach it is learn by doing. Wow, Kyle, we've got a good runner up here. This is good. Brad, what do you think? I don't think I can add anything further. They, they, they said all. It's like, that's just perfect. It's, uh, and I think, Brad, I would say on your behalf, it can be learned by following in the footsteps or learning the lessons of those who have gone before with curiosity, with bravery, with passion, with flexibility, and with life or death challenges that we hope we don't ever have to know that way. That was one sentence, Kyle. How did I do? I thought it was brilliant. Thank you very much. I want, I want to thank my guests. And you know where you can get their books. Come on. You all have your favorite booksellers online. Carl Garman, the author of The Entrepreneurial Mindset, Preparing Our Next Generation for the Future of Work. Brian Pierce, he spells his last name, P-E-A-R-C-E, in case you're curious. Daring to Compete, Accelerate Your Business to Market Leadership with EY7 Drivers of Growth. And Brad Borkins, When Your Life Depends on It, Extreme Decision-Making Lessons from the Antarctic. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is certainly Brad Borkin, sponsor and wonderful friend and great author. This is certainly a conversation in a digital world that the world needed to hear. So everybody wave goodbye and thank you all. Be safe, be smart, be savvy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning into Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Keep the conversation going by tweeting your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAP Radio. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel next time.